Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blogging Theology. This is a special interview. Today, I am delighted to talk again to Professor Dr. Mustafa Abu Sway, who is talking to us from Jerusalem in occupied Palestine. You are most welcome, sir. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam for those who I don't recall, uh, Dr. Mustafa Abu Sway is the first holder of the integral chair for the study of Imam Ghazali's work at the Holy Al-Aqsa Mosque and at Al-Quds University. He's also a member of the Islamic uh, Waqf Council in Jerusalem and member of the Hashemite Fund for the Restoration of Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock. He's also been a professor of philosophy and Islamic studies at Al-Quds University in Jerusalem, Palestine, since 1996. Now, the whole world is in a state of shock about the ongoing conflict in the Middle East. The outcome seems uncertain, but the tragedy of the deaths of so many innocent people is truly shocking. Today, we are going to look at the history of the Palestinian people, a context that is often missing from media reports, at least in the Western media. This context is absolutely vital if we wish to understand what is really going on. So, sir, can you introduce us to this historical context and then perhaps tell us what life is like under Israeli occupation? And finally, the ways forward. So over to you, sir. Thank you. Uh, of course, the uh, by speaking about the historical context about the Palestinian issue uh, from the beginning, but the beginning uh, we have so many uh, beginnings as uh, uh, one will uh, uh, will see. Uh, it's important because uh, I see that. Uh, uh, the uh, media in general uh, do not really uh, highlight uh, more than usually the event that is taking place and it is uh, tragic and uh, let me say uh, at the outset that uh, uh, by talking about the uh, historical context, by talking about the uh, failure of uh, the uh, political leaders, uh, by highlighting that uh, it, hopefully we will get to, uh, you know, finally uh, uh, peace, uh, which should always be based on uh, justice. Uh, yeah. let, me, uh, let me say also that uh, a personal, uh, you know, uh, touch, um, I don't think that I have ever said this uh, on, uh, on record because, you know, the context probably would not warrant this. I have donated blood uh, in many countries in three continents. And I kept uh, donating blood until I was told ultimately that uh, my blood has some antidote. Uh, I was exposed to something that and I should not, uh, not that I cannot, I should not uh, donate blood uh, because they will not accept my uh, blood. And I have donated blood uh, in places where uh, all kinds of people, all backgrounds uh, could benefit from that blood. It was not directed. It probably in one country in particular, it was not directed to uh, a specific uh, community, but one country in particular uh, in Africa, probably most of the uh, the uh, the uh, 
the citizens were uh, Muslims, but I did donate blood in places where it could be a Jew or a Christian or a Muslim or a Buddhist or an atheist could benefit from that blood. It was not really directed to a specific, uh, you know, person or a uh, community. And uh, in Jerusalem, I have uh, donated to, uh, I would like to call it an inclusive, uh, you know, institution uh, that uh, distributes uh, medical uh, equipment to uh, sick people, to uh, uh, special needs people, uh, and uh, I would, and many times, really, over the, over these. I'm saying this uh, because it's important uh, to for people to understand where we come from and that uh, we do care. Uh, uh, I'm a member also of a, a medical ethics committee in one of our uh, hospitals in uh, Jerusalem. So. Um, what I'm trying to say is that I do care. I do care about human life, not only as a public theologian, if you will, uh, if I may uh, construct this, but also, you know, in practice, I have tried to pitch in and I will uh, still uh, do that. The, uh, the media really uh, fails to uh, cover also or to challenge uh, the narrative or sometimes certain things could be could look benign i'm not sure whether people understand the uh, the importance of explaining things for example i've noticed on cnn uh, uh, today that they mentioned that uh, fewer people uh, a low turnout uh, at al-aqsa mosque uh, bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc shippers uh, for the friday prayer and i've seen it somewhere else also and um, no one explained that uh, you have so many uh, checkpoints surrounding Jerusalem uh, preventing people from uh, reaching Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, from where I live. And I live practically a walking distance uh, from Al-Aqsa Mosque. I, I have to admit that I don't like to walk that uh, distance. I try to drive. I probably age. I used to walk, uh, you know. Uh, and I still, if I have to, I do walk. Uh, the five checkpoints, one opposite the uh, Bras al-Amud Mosque, and they filter uh, people, youngsters could not go through. The another one near the Church of the Gethsemane, uh, just a couple of hundred uh, uh, meters to the uh, north, but already is the valley, uh, foot of uh, Mount of Olives, then uh, up again, and uh, you are, we are now at the bottom of uh, the very short uh, street leading up to Lion's Gate, another filter. And there they blocked literally the whole street. And there was like a very 
there's uh, some stairs to the uh, left when you are going up and people were crowded and they were again filtering us for age and slowly slowly you could see that the crowd is really um, uh, you know uh, uh, a bit more old than the rest of those who uh, were filtered and sent back again another uh, checkpoint at the gate itself uh, at lion's gate another one uh, the babel asbat that leads to al-aqsa mosque I, uh, so so that that context was missing simply they would say low turn out as if muslims were not going you know to the uh, to the yeah. uh, to the mosque uh, on wednesday uh, it did strike me that the mosque was empty uh, precisely uh, yes there are people who were afraid to go around but uh, i could hear the uh, church bells of jerusalem and it was 12 o'clock sharp and i took few pictures and uh, because it was empty and again uh, i know very well that people were turned uh, you know back from the gates of the mosque because when i entered they just sent uh, a young woman i know a woman who uh, was not really that uh, uh, young uh, the day before she was sent back and today at dawn uh, even a 71 years old man was uh, turned back but he went to another gate and he they would let him in there were few a uh, few, uh, you know, uh, young men inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, which means certain groups, certain soldiers would be more strict than others. But right. again, the media that says, you know, uh, that uh, uh, low turnout, uh, which, you know, uh, one would uh, uh, always need to uh, check really the, the news. So the it's, it's very striking as, as an outsider. I've never uh, had the privilege of going to your, your city, but uh, it is the amount of control the, uh, the Israelis have over the Palestinians, uh, over the, the Muslim population there, controlling every aspect of their lives. And, and that kind of police state control is very evident in what you've said. And it's very hard for me to, I mean, it must be a bit like Northern Ireland, perhaps, and during the worst time when, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, 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 the Catholics and the Protestants, there's a sense of one community controlling another, uh, you know, the dominant Protestant community controlling the movements of Catholics, you know, around the place, around the streets, around the roads, around the shops. Very, um, very, uh, very like a military structure, extraordinary. In fact, now the uh, Palestinians in their own cities in the West Bank, they are simply uh, locked inside these cities. Like Bethlehem is like a, a medieval uh, large uh, citadel, if you will. Um, literally, there's a wall. And this wall has a massive, like um, the one that I use, the gate that I uh, go through usually to Bethlehem, the northern one. Literally, there's a gate, like a massive iron slide gate. It's massive. Uh, I mean, trucks, buses could go through, uh, and they are inside. Uh, you know, this is Mitri uh, Rahib. Uh, I'm sure that probably Reverend Mitri Rahib from the Dar al-Kalima uh, College. Uh, he, the Reverend, this Reverend, is uh, you know writes quite a lot about the Palestinian uh, issue. Uh, so they are locked uh, in the. The roads, the Palestinians from the West Bank cannot use every road. Sometimes the road is in the West Bank, like uh, uh, the, uh, I think the road, the, the number is 443, but I'm not, you know, uh, just in case I made a mistake, it's road 443. 
uh, west of Ramallah. It's uh, really in the in the land of the West Bank, but they cannot uh, drive on that uh, on that road. So, mm. again, uh, my understanding is that the, uh, under international law, this is illegal. Uh, the, the, the this kind of ghettoization of, of the Palestinians, the control of by the Israelis, is actually illegal under international law, isn't it? When uh, when President Clinton visited the area. Uh, and he spoke about land contiguity because he saw that it's like a Swiss cheese. Um, these uh, cities and towns, they are separated uh, from each other by, uh, uh, you know, settlements and colonies and what have you. Um, so they, they don't have the uh, land contiguity. And uh, probably later on, one of the slides would show uh, the uh, how... Yes. Uh, you know, it's just like uh, literally holes in the, uh, uh, in fact, probably um, we can, uh, yes, we can just go to this map and show that how, uh, that's how Palestine began. Uh, the uh, green, uh, you know, uh, uh, color is uh, Palestine, uh, 1947. And uh, so just to clarify, if I may interrupt you, in 1947 then, what was the political situation in Palestine in 1947? It, it, was, the, it was the British mandate still, mm -hmm. and it's Palestine is the biggest failure in uh, imperial uh, Britain. You know, I don't know whether the mentality uh, has uh, totally disappeared, as you can see. Uh, you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the UK is mobilizing uh, warships and. Uh, yes, yes. You know, uh, this what we have right now is, uh, uh, in a big way, uh, it's British heritage. Uh, and in fact, Israel uses laws uh, that are, uh, they were used during British time. They are used for collective punishment, but they are British really in, in essence. So this is uh, on, in 1947. You could, see, you could see that the Palestinians uh, owned... And I don't like the, the you know this Jewish settlement and the Palestinian land, the Palestinian land even where the uh, Jewish settlement uh, existed, but it shows really the uh, the uh, uh, very little practically, relatively speaking, um, the the land that they uh, they owned in uh, uh, in 1947, and out of a sudden you can see the uh, the partition plan and. Uh, I would love to uh, simply spend uh, a minute or two. Please. What could you see here? This would continue according to partition plan. Um, this could continue that as a Palestinian. You can see how a Palestinian state, uh, which is practically um, three uh, pieces uh, with hardly connected in the uh, north. This would be the Galilee. Uh, not all of it, of course and uh, wider than the West Bank, which you could see uh, right here, um, as unfolded in, you know, later on. But this is a partition plan that uh, was was rejected by the, uh, the Palestinians, and uh, I would say rightly so, even if it led to uh, all the misery that we uh, faced. You know, we had it like this, and why we should accept this? Um, I think it's very important to uh, realize that uh, the Jews were mistreated. You talk, the pogroms, Eastern European pogroms, pogroms in Russia, uh, 
Christenacht is European par excellence. Uh, it took place in, uh, in Germany. Yeah. The Holocaust is European. Uh, so they were uh, literally, uh, I mean, the word mistreated is uh, really does not, is, is not fair to what they uh, endured in Europe. The, uh, the, uh, if I could just clarify that uh, overwhelmingly the Germans and others were Christians. Uh, I read a, a survey uh, yesterday. Overwhelmingly, the German people, German soldiers and so on, identify themselves as, as good Lutherans or Catholics. These were Christians who were as they'd often done over many, many centuries, and you know, literally a thousand and a half years, were occasionally persecuting uh, Jews. But it, it had a crescendo uh, in the 1930s and the 40s w with the pogroms, as you call them, in the, in the Holocaust. But this was a European phenomenon. That no, no Muslims were involved at all in this uh, whatsoever. It was only Christians who were involved in the persecution of Jews. And this was in living memory, actually. I mean, if you're very, very old. I mean, this is not ancient history. It's the uh, earlier, earlier, much earlier uh, persecution of, of Jews, even during the uh, uh, the Crusades. Uh, they did kill Jews in Europe on their way uh, to uh, to Jerusalem. That's also that's also uh, given. And so, so uh, uh, let me also say that uh, uh, the rise of the nation state. That's also something that people miss mentioning. Uh, Europe. Now we talk about the uh, end of the uh, end of the nineteenth uh, century. Uh, Europe was already for almost six hundred years. Europe was at the throat of each other. About a couple of uh, wars each year. Uh, hardly. I mean, uh, definitely the uh, uh, the Osnabrück uh, agreement uh, that was uh, signed and was not 100% Catholic Protestant because France, as you well know, uh, did, was not really on its own side, if you will, if you uh, talk about the, the Catholics. But it was very important. And I think it's very important uh, because even later on, uh, I know the context is different, but when I think about the Shiite-Sunnite relationship and how things could, you know, uh, got sour, uh, over the years, I think we also, as Sunnites and Shiites, we need uh, a way out, uh, some kind of a, uh, it's not a state to state, which I welcome uh, any uh, bilateral uh, agreement, but I'm talking about more of uh, uh, really a, a new, so new uh, uh, social contract, if you will, but, you know, uh, that would really put the uh, 1400 years old uh, division aside and that we will help each other uh, to get out of this uh, mess mm -hmm. uh, which is not really theological in the first place uh, as it as it were uh, that's not a, that's not our story today but nation state building in in Europe emerging uh, persecution of Jews this is why Herzl uh, uh, thought about establishing a national home for the, um, you know, a, you know, a Jewish state, really, because that's in his memoir. Why it was very obvious. Uh, he wanted to establish a, a Jewish state, and the three options: um, Latin America, and uh, Africa, and of course Palestine. These were options that the uh, the Jews uh, had. They they had some kind of a, you know, a Jewish state in in Russia. But it's, it's a different uh, story. 
and in his memoirs uh, available for free online for those who would like to uh, to to read uh, Herzl uh, uh, wanted a pure uh, a pure state for the Jews, uh, not only a solution. The if you um, Marx Marx um, uh, uh, wrote about the Jewish question, and it was definitely uh, a European, a Eurocentric problem. Uh, sometimes we just simply think about Germany as well as the problem at the time. We, do, we should contextualize it uh, historically, but really it goes beyond uh, Germany. And there are certain things that, uh, you know, that there's a call, a former, uh, uh, a former uh, religious advisor to President Trump just called for prayer uh, for uh, for the Jews for Israel. And I don't think those evangelicals uh, wish uh, the Jews well, and and you know that their uh, end game is definitely uh, not, uh, uh, you know, uh, not healthy at all. Uh, the their end game is really the end of uh, uh, of the uh, uh, of the Jews, and I'm I'm really sorry that they are also being uh, used. Um, I know I know it, and I have so I've lived so many years. In the United States, and it, uh, and I think I should not speak about the uh, uh, even private conversations that I had with uh, with people when uh, as a Palestinian, because it was uh, I went you know over the years between 1984 and uh, until today I continue go um, you know go in the United States my MA and PhD from uh, uh, Boston College uh, and I I've been a, a visiting professor uh, there. And I continue going there. I, I don't really think that uh, uh, beyond the politicians, I think the picture might not be that uh, uh, not that good, and they might not be uh, in the uh, they might not be aware of that kind of uh, use in terms of the strategic relations with with states, uh, and despite the niceties of um, uh, you know uh, that the politicians would uh, uh, would would say. So, uh, so this, uh, uh, in fact, Herzl would say, going back to the, uh, Herzl would say something like uh, driving the penniless, the penniless, like without any penny, penniless outside that future state and creating jobs for them outside. So the idea of, uh, you know, a, a pure uh, state uh, is there in the uh, Herzl uh, thinking? So Zionist thinking does have that element. Now, that Theodore Herzl, who who you mentioned, is the founder of, you know, Zionism. Yes. Was, he, was he actually an atheist? Uh, um, I don't know that. I don't know that. But if you if you look at, uh, um, I can tell you about the uh, the first Zionist Congress, but I. Uh, uh, in, in Basel, Switzerland, but I think just one more thing about the partition plan in Palestine. Okay, yeah. we have only one fresh lake, okay, and that's Tiberias, uh, Tiberias Lake. Okay, um, and uh, uh, you can see that it is in the partition plan that only fresh, you know, uh, water lake is given to the uh, in the partition plan, not to the Palestinians. I mean, one lake, and it is given to the uh, to the Jews. And I mean, anyone who would look at this would ask the question, why? I mean, if you are trying to partition the land, why don't you partition also the water? By the way, 
if you notice it is Syria on this side that's the Golan Heights just mm. simply on the edge the eastern side of uh, the Tiberis Lake so the Tiberis Lake for those who don't know is that the 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 blue water area at the top yes, right yes yes it's a very small this is the Dead Sea here and you know uh, which is the Dead Sea sorry uh, Dead you... Sea it's right. extremely salty it's uh, no, no, no. Uh, whereabouts on the map sorry uh, uh, is it the one in the middle on the right the 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 one that's kind of rectangular this the is the or... this is the Dead Sea and this is the uh, the Tiberias Lake in the north in, in the uh, upper um, you know right. part yeah Tiberias because it doesn't it doesn't say on the map what, what the lakes are so which one no it doesn't I'm sorry no it's okay. It's, uh, but here is the Golan Heights, and you know yeah. that uh, uh, the United States recognized. I think it's the only country that recognized the Golan Heights as. Uh, well, as the United States, States is the only country that recognized it as part of. Yeah. As and uh, if you talk about international law, it means that Syria also, uh, you know, has part of this water, body of water, but the partition plan again. Uh, right here, the passage plan would have given uh, Tiberias Lake to the, uh, you know, uh, to the, to the uh, Jews, and and yeah. again, I find it very problematic to say Jews versus Palestinian because there were Palestinian Jews, there were Palestinian Jews all the way until 1948, and in fact, many of the Zionist leaders uh, had uh, Palestinian uh, passports. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is really uh, part of the uh, story. There are very two small areas. Jerusalem itself was not included in either, so that will be uh, an international, uh, uh, you know, uh, territory, if you uh, if you will. So it's extraterritorial in terms of uh, what's going on in the partition plan, and uh, this is also why uh, the overwhelming majority of uh, um, countries around the world do not recognize. Uh, Jerusalem as the capital of uh, Israel, and uh, it's this is why when uh, uh, you know uh, people like His Majesty King Abdullah II, uh, you know time and again, uh, and he's not the only one, but he uh, definitely his voice is extremely important because he is the custodian of the holy places in yes. Jerusalem. Yes, he he speaks that there will be uh, no peace in the region, not only in Palestine, in the whole region, uh, without a Palestinian. Uh, state, independent Palestinian state, and by this uh, you talk about the West Bank, including East Jerusalem here, and the uh, Gaza Strip. So the uh, the failure of the uh, uh, of the politicians to reach this, though, will we'll, uh, hopefully will reach, the, in our talk, will reach uh, uh, the Oslo Accords and the uh, what went wrong. I mean, uh, definitely uh, many things went wrong since then. But this is what we uh, had in uh, 1947, the partition plan. And you talk about this map is pretty much the uh, outcome of the 1967, the June uh, 6, 1967 uh, uh, war. And I would say, uh, read uh, Miko Pelitz, uh, the uh, general's son, uh, because his father, in fact, his, fa his grandfather was signatory to the... Uh, uh, to the declaration of uh, uh, independence, uh, but his father was uh, a member of the uh, high-ranking um, general in the Israeli army, and he says clearly that it was Israel that attacked the uh, uh, Arab countries, was uh, pre-planned, premeditated, and by uh, 1907, they have already consolidated uh, 
at the occupation of all this land plus all the Sinai Peninsula, the Golan Heights here, and just small pieces of land from uh, um, from uh, uh, Jordan. Uh, this map here shows the uh, because of the Oslo uh, uh, Accords in, in 1994, dividing the uh, the West Bank into areas uh, A, uh, B, and C. Areas uh, area A where the uh, Palestinian Authority would be responsible 100% for the uh, both uh, you know uh, uh, security and uh, municipal you know civilian uh, issues. Uh, area B, uh, the uh, uh, security is the Israeli uh, uh, occupation forces, but the uh, the administration, civil administration, would uh, continue to be with the uh, uh, Palestinian Authority. Area C, which is the largest, is uh, both security and you know uh, civil administration would be uh, uh, the Israeli uh, occupation forces. So. Um, Pretty much, um, the Palestinians were left with uh, a fraction of the land that they uh, hoped would make the uh, the uh, upcoming state. Originally, mm, you know, the Oslo Accords, we talk about uh, five years where all the final issues would have been uh, implemented. But since the uh, uh, you know both both gentlemen. Uh, uh, you know uh, Rabin and Arafat, uh, who signed uh, the on the lawn of the uh, White House. Both of them uh, were uh, um, assassinated. Uh, one by Buddhists and one was poisoned. I think this is really uh, uh, it. Signals, uh, I hope, not uh, in the uh, as a uh, as an end game, but it does signal something about the uh, fate of uh, the Oslo. Uh, 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 Accords. Uh, just, just saying, I, I remember seeing Benjamin uh, uh, Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, recently at the United Nations, just a week or two ago, holding up a, a map. What, what he what yeah. he claimed was a map of Israel, um, and it was all of it was just Israel. Uh, yes. completely. There was no Palestine, Palestinian territories, no. Gaza Strip, no. West Bank did not exist. Uh, so he, he's the leader of that, and he. He simply has taken over the whole of the country. So there's not even a pretense anymore at giving the Palestinians uh, any areas at all. They're completely controlled by the Jews, um, which goes against international law. It goes against everything. So, but this is the reality uh, of the current regime, it seems. I would, I would, I would say that completely, you know, completely controlled by uh, Israel, by Zionists, yes, by Israel, yes, by the Jews. That we know that there are Jews who are still. Uh, against what's going on, and they are still looking for, uh, uh, you know, a fair, uh, just uh, uh, end uh, of the uh, Israeli uh, occupation. So probably that's more, uh, you know, accurate to say the uh, Zionists or to say Israel that that would be fine. Okay. And uh, I would not, I'm not surprised that uh, Netanyahu uh, uh, Netanyahu would uh, would hold such a, a map. Uh, people forgot. Um, the Israel keeps blaming the uh, the Palestinian leadership, and by you know I'm talking about really the uh, uh, the president, for example, Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, they keep saying that there is no partner for peace amongst the Palestinians, which is nonsense. Uh, what should the Palestinians do more than what they have done? 
Uh, isn't, that ra- isn't that rather a convenient attitude to have that, that there's no partner for peace? Well, that's then they don't have to negotiate, they don't have to concede, they don't have to compromise. They can just say, oh, we don't have anyone, so we're just going to carry on. And it, 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 it's not, you know, it's a self serving justification in a way. It's in their interest to say that. Of course. I mean, of course, the, uh, you know, if people would press them on uh, the issue of peace, they would say there's no partner on the other side. I mean, yeah. this is the. And uh, they just, they forget that the Likud internally, they had unanimous vote internally against the establishment of Palestinian state. And nary a word about that. Uh, so, and uh, since uh, Netanyahu, as, uh, uh, as prime minister, uh, he has been in, you know, uh, in and out of office, if you will, Yes, uh, since Many 1996 probably, uh, and uh, this is why there is an editorial uh, in Haaretz, a very new uh, editorial that really blames the failure on him for what happened during the last few days. But I would, I, I would have loved the uh, the editorial that would have highlighted the failure of Israel leadership about really reaching uh, peace with the Palestinians. They did not. They th- they th- I mean, he I, I, thought, he sorry. thought, I'm sorry, please go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I don't want to get into the geopolitics of this, but many people would surely say, okay, what you're saying makes sense, but behind all this, and this is the geopolitical reality, is the United States, of course. And if they weren't backing financing to the tune of trillions of dollars and weaponry and armory and vetoes and the Security Council, etc., if they weren't having Israel's back, as they always say they are, Democrat or Republican, many people would say that that is the issue. Um, in, in enabling the, the, these issues within Israel, as you say, to continue without America's backing, surely the whole world could be very different, and they wouldn't be get, wouldn't be able to get away with any of any of this, arguably. Well, I mean, uh, the, the, probably only the words change from time to time, but in essence, it's the same policy. Madeleine O'Bright said that uh, yeah. as long as the sun rises, and their support Israel, as long as the sun rises, uh, Secretary Blinken said that. Uh, yeah as long as the United States exists. But we know very well uh, that uh, that also could change. And I'm not talking, uh, I'm talking about it could change if you put enough pressure, like the case of East Timor. Uh, you know, uh, the United States supported uh, Soharto in, uh, 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 in terms of uh, occupying uh, East Timor, to my, this is to my uh, knowledge. And ultimately, after all these years, they succeeded in gaining independence when really the rest of the world was telling the United States, and they're just like, enough is enough. And then it took really one war, then, uh, and it, it unfolded in a sense. And the uh, uh, probably it's a sensitive issue for Indonesia, but I'm talking about how things work. In fact, uh, even in the world of the uh, economics, uh, the uh, IMF, uh, you know, the World Bank, and uh, all these, uh, uh, you know, uh, treaties, uh, thousands of uh, of pages, uh, uh, and people might believe that it is really uh, uh, a neo uh, liberal, uh, uh, you know, uh, economy is the uh, uh, you know is the real paradigm. But uh, ask uh, ask really, uh, you know, people who are. Uh, uh, experts in the field, they'll tell you it's about power. It's not yeah. about really, it's about power, so even in economics. Exactly. And, uh, uh, you know, those, uh, 
if uh, if Netanyahu was happy with Micronesia recognizing Israel and voting in on, on the side of Israel in the United Nations, that should that should not really make the uh, make them uh, happy. Even I'm sorry for any uh, agreement. People are free to do their own bilateral uh, agreements with Israel, but they should have freely reached the agreement with people next door, uh, the Palestinians. I mean, this is really the uh, this is really the issue, and uh, it's almost like as if you know my words are really could be translated into I'm appealing. You know, I would love that. Uh, people would go back to their senses and really it's people next door. It's not somewhere else. You don't need another Disney to visit. You don't need, you know, uh, that's that's really the issue. And it's right here that to, uh, you make peace with your own uh, neighbors and precisely you make peace with your own enemies. You know, there, sh there should be no love story. Uh, sometimes, you know, the journalists are so naive to speak about, you know, whether you have friendship, whether you, you just pass the uh, the litmus test, if you will, of uh, of the genus, and it's only applicable to us. Uh, it seems as uh, as Palestinians, and it's not fair. And I think there is a certain degree of Islamophobia in this. There is uh, the the dehumanization, and in fact, the if we speak about the uh, Balfour uh, Declaration and. Um, um, probably let's uh, uh, proceed a little bit before. Uh, um, reaching the Balfour Declaration, this is really a picture of the first uh, Zionist Congress uh, in uh, Basel, Switzerland. I did Theodore Herzl's conference, isn't it? Yes, yes, and in fact, uh, I've noticed first of all, you would notice that they were in tuxedos. That's oh, yes, they are in tuxedos. That's <laughs> that's very, very important. Very large number. Number two, there were Christian delegations. Number three, the uh, Jewish community in uh, in Munich, to my knowledge, refused to. Uh, I mean, even in in Germany at the time, most the most of the Jewish uh, uh, rabbis overwhelmingly voted against. I mean, they were their position was against holding the Zionist Congress uh, there. And uh, uh, I personally, I did pass by the hotel in in Basel. I had uh, all right. Uh, I had a lecture at the University of Basel uh, a few years uh, back, and uh, it was I was invited by Professor Ott. God knows whether he, he is still around or uh, not, but uh, he did strike me as someone who uh, more or less, uh, you know, accepts the prophecy of Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace upon him, which is not the topic. But, uh, you know, uh, okay. But uh, so, but, so I did pass by the uh, hotel where uh, the uh, conference took place. And let me say uh, one thing: the uh, the Ashkenaz, the Ashkenazi, I mean, pretty much this is an Ashkenazi uh, Jewish, you know, uh, Zionist thing. These Faradic Jews were not part of this. We Palestinians, who are the owners of the uh, of the land, we you know nobody told us anything about this. Uh, so, so, so you just, just because you just, like, yeah. Palestinians were not part of this at all, this Congress. No, uh, no, 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 consulted, no. Included, discussed with, negotiated it's, with. So it was just okay. Yeah. The Israeli, the Israeli leadership was pretty much for a long, long time. It was Ashkenazi. Right. And the Ashkenazi, uh, uh, you mentioned that these are kind of Eastern Europe, Germanic, uh, yes. German-speaking yes. Jews, and so on. Uh, and and the, the, Sorry. And this Faradic, and this Faradic, it comes from the Hebrew word Farad, which means uh, Spain. 
Yes, and Spain and Portugal, the congregations, if I, if I know I'm sitting here. The Iberian, the Iberian Peninsula, but uh, exactly. after the Reconquista, uh, of course, no more Jews, no more uh, Muslims in uh, the Iberian Peninsula, no more Andalusia. Of course, Andalusia is still there as... Uh, yeah, uh, uh, in July, yeah. It's, but the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Muslim world was really uh, open, it's really uh, arms for the uh, Jews, and it, as it should have uh, been the... Uh, the case, in fact, uh, it's very important to uh, to mention that in uh, in uh, uh, the Jews were were not allowed in Jerusalem uh, for a long, long time during the previous uh, 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 rulers of Jerusalem uh, for quite some time. And uh, when Muslims uh, conquered the city in 636, regardless of they allowed the Jews back, and this is the Geniza uh, manuscripts. And uh, Professor Mark Cohen of Princeton University is an expert on the Geniza. These are Cairo Jewish manuscripts, and in these manuscripts, it is documented that the Muslims uh, allowed them back in Jerusalem, and it, they uh, did say that they lived in the what became known as the Jewish market. I assume later on uh, it became the Jewish quarter. But of course, like every quarter in uh, the history of uh, of Jerusalem, things were not categorically. You know, you don't you don't have really a gate leading to your quarter. Uh, in fact, until today, we, there are still mosques in the uh, Jewish quarter. Um, unfortunately, that in 1967, the Moroccan quarter was uh, uh, literally uh, destroyed. Uh, an 800 years neighborhood uh, was literally destroyed by bulldozers, and there was a school, a Muslim school, and a Muslim mosque in that open space. Uh, west of uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque. So the uh, so this is really uh, what was next is that the uh, Zionists really uh, uh, now they are, they were lobbying for this uh, the the uh, nation state that they wanted to establish uh, and uh, this is why the Balfour Declaration will become um, within the same context um, and one year before the Balfour Declaration, we have the Sykes-Picot Agreement dividing the uh, the Middle East, I'm using the old Middle East liberally here, uh, into areas of, uh, uh, you know, uh, French and uh, British. So, uh, so Sykes was a British um, civil servant type person and Picot was his French yes. in Paris. These, and they these really were... had this agreement between them to slice up uh, the Levant yes. or the Middle East, as you as you exactly. see, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, the the Kingdom of Italy, it was called as what was called then was in the picture. Uh, Russia, Tsarist uh, Russia, was also in the picture. Uh, Russia probably was more interested in uh, what we call Iran uh, today. Italy had its own share somewhere else, a little bit uh, in Italy in uh, Libya, eleven uh, eleven, really. Uh, once I, uh, I had a, a kind of a, a side discussion, there was a conference and uh, uh, we were uh, discussing which country used uh, weapons of mass destruction first. And uh, uh, who, who, who won that dubious award? I, I lost, probably I lost, though I still believe that I might be uh, right. But uh, uh, one of my friends said it was Britain. Uh, testing weapons of mass destruction in the desert of Iraq. There was no war, nothing. They're simply testing the. What was that? Wasn't that, Win um, wasn't that Winston Churchill who first used 
chemical weapons against the Kurds in in what is now called Iraq or was called Iraq? I'm not sure about. I I know that Winston Churchill uh, uh, led you know to the uh, a massive famine in uh, uh, the Bay of Bengal uh, at the time by diverting the ships of. Uh, uh, of, of grain uh, and millions of people died because of that. And uh, when he was, when it was mentioned to him, he said, "Why Gand Gandhi did not die?" Uh, so that was really so. But um, my position was it was Italy in the Horn of Africa. Uh, so whatever, it's uh, still uh, if they are, uh, uh, you know, looking for, uh, uh, you know, who was first, the, you know, one of them. It doesn't make really much uh, yeah. difference. So the uh, so they divided the the area, but I I think it was all all planned because this agreement was supposed to be uh, it was a secret agreement, and they were preparing themselves for the uh, end game uh, after the uh, end of the uh, World War One and dividing the uh, the region uh, amongst themselves, and uh, of course. They uh, they betrayed the British in particular. Um, the the French did uh, horrible things. The the British did also. But if you think about the British uh, history in uh, in Algeria, for example, North Africa, it was horrible. Uh, you know, burning pe people alive in uh, in caves. That's a, a long story. But uh, here we have now the Balfour uh, Declaration. November 17, 1917, Britain simply gave a, uh, you know, a, a pledge to uh, uh, to uh, establish a national home for the Jews in Palestine. The next, uh, this is really the uh, uh, Balfour uh, himself, the uh, the foreign minister of uh, uh, of Britain at the time, and I have the text really uh, here, and uh, it's clearer because I wanted to highlight something which is still the case until today. First of all, Britain did not own the land, the, you know, the Palestine, that's not theirs to, uh, uh, to distribute, that's one thing. Uh, number two, if you notice, uh, uh, right here, uh, it says, uh, it being under clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine, or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. But look at how we have been described in this text, non-Jewish communities in Palestine. Mm -hmm. So we are not Arabs, we are not Palestinians, we are not Christians and Muslims, we are not, so basically, you talk about some degree of in you know the invisible Palestinian, so the dehumanization that we see today is not very far from you mm. know uh, mm. almost a little bit more than hundred hundred years uh, uh, earlier uh, that we have been reduced to non-Jewish communities, though we were the majority. So as if we don't have a civilization, as if we don't have culture, as if we, in fact, we still uh, have that culture uh, that I cherish. I, I love our uh, culture. I love uh, the Palestinian embroidered, because it's not only embroidered. People can re ask the old ladies. They will read. 
the embroidery. They know, you know, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, in fact, you will find uh, plenty of flora, Palestinian flora in the embroidery. Okay, certain beautiful patterns, but the Palestinian, you know, uh, flora, you could, any uh, anthropologist could really make a, a wonderful study mm. of the meaning of these uh, symbols in the Palestinian uh, dress. And uh, as a child, I, I know that my mother would recognize ladies where they came from based on their embroidered uh, dress. So uh, whether it's our uh, cuisine, our uh, dress, our songs, our, uh, you know, we, we are not really, we did not land from, uh, uh, the moon would not land definitely from Mars. Uh, you know, we have been in this land. Jericho is the, uh, Jericho is the oldest known agricultural settlement in the world, almost 12,000 years ago. It's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, continuously inhabited city inhabited. In, yes. on Earth, actually. I mean, yes. it's um, it, quite, quite extraordinary. So this is really, uh, I mean, it does tell you, uh, you know, people are making decisions on, not on your behalf, against your, you know, uh, uh, welfare. It's against your future. It's against your, uh, existence against everything uh, about uh, about you. You simply now you are reduced, uh, and I, I can see the reduction, the dehumanization uh, in many things. It could be the language, it could be the laws. Let me. Uh, oh, they're not well, Maybe yeah. it's uh, maybe should give it some time to uh, for the slides. Should I upload it again? Is there a slide missing? Because I don't, it does not move neither. Okay, here's the Balfour Declaration. Here's the text that we had. Yep. Let me see if we can. Eight. Would you like to upload it again the way you did? Uh, no. okay. I have numbers there. But map, uh, a clearer map, of course, with details about the uh, uh, plan of partition 1947. You can see that the uh, uh, the yellow is the uh, Arab state and the, um, the greenish, the turquoise is the uh, Jewish state and the white uh, is the uh, city of Jerusalem. And I think there was something, of course, about uh, uh, Jaffa as, uh, uh, as well. And you can see you can actually see in there the uh, oh hang on uh, Lake Tiberias. You kept you mentioned that this, earlier. this Lake Tiberias and now yeah, it is uh, named as as a lake Lake Tiberias in this particular map. Yeah, this is I think people probably can read it now, and mm. it does say that Syria here. This is the Golan uh, the Golan Heights, and, yeah. uh, and now it is clear that we talk about the uh, Lebanon uh, the Lebanon uh, border yeah. um, the. Uh, the uh, the area is rich not only with ancient uh, uh, cities of course uh, and but it's really history uh, if you talk about uh, uh, really uh, in, in in arabic this is the city that defeated napoleon bonaparte uh, so we talk about his military campaign 1798 to 1801 
really it ended uh, right here and it's the uh, this is the gulf of uh, uh, of uh, of haifa uh, and this is like about the, i mean until 1948 because all those who speak about palestine they forget to uh, uh, to mention what we had until then uh, sometimes they uh, they might say things like uh, uh, the president of the uh, European Union, uh, when she, uh, she was participated in the seventy uh, fifth uh, celebration of uh, yes. uh, of yes. their independence, uh, praised uh, the, uh, the basically the its uh, her words would uh, mimic the uh, uh, designers claim that they made the land uh, bloom, uh, something yeah. like that. Well, again, we have just mentioned that uh, Jericho is the oldest non-agricultural settlement in the in the world, and I'm pretty sure that the Palestinians knew how to uh, cultivate the land. And uh, uh, in fact, we have we have literally olive trees that are, you know, uh, more than a thousand years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen I've seen uh, pictures. Yeah. And uh, part of the uh, the uh, uh, some of these trees we call them Roman. Not really uh, that we have decided to give them that name. They go back to very old uh, times. So agriculture, uh, every, everybody knows. Uh, and it's it's a long story, but the flora and fauna uh, is even biblical, if you if you will, if you'd like to take it as a uh, uh, as a um, source for uh, mm. uh, that would tell you about what was going on in terms of uh, agriculture, in terms of. Uh, 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 produce and uh, what have you. In fact, uh, before 1948, we, uh, well, we used to export uh, Jaffa oranges to uh, to Europe. Uh, this is not a new uh, a new thing. Now, um, let me move. No, okay. So you're going to talk about the Nakba now, but I, I promise you that most people in Britain, probably most people in Europe, have never heard of this word before. Have no idea what you're about to talk about, even though it is one of the most important dates, events, I should say, in, in the history of the Middle East in the 20th century. And most Europeans have no idea. Uh, and that is a real scandal, actually. And it speaks to precisely the issues we're talking about, the the non-personhood of the Palestinian. The, you know, it's just Jews and non-Jews, as, as you said, the Balfour Declaration. But I, uh, sorry, I didn't interrupt you, but I just want to introduce this by saying that vast majority of Europeans and Americans have no idea what you're about to say, although it's a great, uh, it's difficult to exaggerate how important what you're about to say is. Um, anyway, I won't say anymore. Well, I mean, the, the Nakba of 1948, this is really the, uh, I mean, everything, the 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 um, Fair Zionist Congress, the Balfour Declaration, the British Mandate, uh, the, um, uh, you know, uh, Everything that took place was preparing li really for this particular uh, moment. It was uh, uh, either we say it was tremendous failure of the uh, British mandate or tremendous success. It depends how you uh, view things. And I have noticed uh, there are so many pictures of uh, of Palestinians leaving their homes, but this particular this picture in particular. Uh, uh, you know why I, um, you know, there are pictures of Palestinians in in their camps, in tents, in tent camps at the beginning. Uh, most Palestinian refugees uh, live in uh, Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. They continue to do so. 
in Jordan, they are uh, equal citizens, 100 uh, percent. Syria is, you know, uh, has its own system in general. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know much about the uh, legal, but in in general, because of pan-Arabism uh, was the ideology of Syria, so they had some, uh, you know, comfort uh, one way or the other there. But in Lebanon. In Lebanon, and we will uh, probably reach more about this, I want to say that uh, Palestinian refugees continue to be uh, in these uh, uh, overcrowded, uh, uh, you know, uh, camps. Okay, can, uh, can we just say what we're talking about here? Because again, as I say, most people... In the world, I, I think I should go back to... Uh, no idea what we're talking about. What, what is, first of all, what does the word Nakba mean? Because it has a it's cat catastrophe. catastrophe. So the word means catastrophe in English, yes. of course. So we're um, dealing with some cosmically catastrophic events uh, that happened to the Palestinian people, which is really actually key to what you're talking about, uh, which we just don't know about in the West. Well, no, but most, most people don't, I mean. I'll get back to this picture, but let me show you. Uh, um, uh, you talk about... Uh, well, well, what, is the, what is the catastrophe we're talking about? Uh, the catastrophe is that people lost their homes, lost their land, lost their uh, livelihood. They uh, were forced out of their home. And uh, the, uh, who, who, who for? So, sorry, sorry to be very basic. And yes, basic yes, yes. About, okay, thank you. I, I really uh, want to be very elementary. No, no. We all know. What, 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 who forced the Palestinians out of their homes? Okay. Uh, the, the Rabin's memoirs would be uh, more appropriate to, to mention because he said that it was uh very important to drive the palestinians um uh, to you know in the direction of uh, of ramallah from Lid, uh, lydia and uh, ramla uh, there was a massacre there uh, in the mosque uh, but they still force people despite, despite who, is the, who is they who is forcing okay, they, they we talk about the uh, zionist uh, uh, in fact the british branded them, brandished them as uh, terrorist uh, organizations these are terrorist uh, jewish uh, uh, you know uh, military uh, organizations uh, the uh, different names uh, uh, they uh, um, they uh, committed few massacres uh, for example, in the Tantura, remember when you said this is Haifa, just close to Haifa, uh, there was a major massacre at the Tantura, an affluent uh, uh, village on the Mediterranean. Uh, and many of those who attacked Tantura were uh, neighbors, like they knew the uh, the uh, the village. Um, there were survivors, you know, people who survived the uh, massacre and. Uh, uh, Ilan Pape, uh, I think he uh, he was the advisor of a student. Yeah, uh, who and, uh, covered and, the Tantura. Exactly, and and this yes. book actually talks about the event. Uh, Ilan Pape, uh, the author, he's actually an Israeli, uh, and he's now a professor of history at the University of Exeter here in England, actually. And he's written a book called "The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine." And I just like to just to it, just read just a paragraph. It says on the back here, the 1948 Israeli War of Independence. There's another. Is exactly this year, a, a 1948, involved one of the largest forced migrations in modern history. Around a million people were expelled from their homes at gunpoint. Civilians were massacred, and hundreds of Palestinian villages destroyed. This is the catastrophe 
that you're speaking about denied for almost six decades had it happened today he writes it could only have been called ethnic cleansing this is a, a recent term but the 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 reality is there even if the term wasn't back in 1948 in this groundbreaking groundbreaking book the ethnic cleansing of palestine renowned israeli uh, historian ilan pape offers impressive archival evidence to demonstrate that from its very inception a central plank of Israel's founding ideology, this is the Zionism you've been talking about, was the forcible removal of the indigenous people. Who were they? You mentioned them, the Palestinians, be they Christians or Jews or uh, Muslims, because they were, you know, um, removal of the indigenous population, a strategy that continues to the present day, to the 21st century. Dr. Pape's vivid and timely account sheds new light on the origins and development of the Palestine-Israel conflict and is indispensable for anyone interested in the Middle East. And it says Pape is the professor of history at the University of Exeter and author of numerous influential books on the Middle East. So if you want to hear, if you want to read the actual archival evidence that you've just briefly alluded to uh, yourself just seconds ago, um, documentary uh, first-hand accounts uh, from uh, official documentation, unofficial documentation about the, the deliberate policy of ethnic cleansing of Palestine from 1948 onwards, when it actually happened, the evidence is all there. Anyway, back to you. Yes. Well, I mean, this the same, Ilan Pape. Thank you. I mean, this is definitely uh, an excellent uh, book. Uh, Ilan Pape is one of his students uh, that he worked on the um, uh, doctoral dissertation on the uh, uh, on the uh, Tantura massacre, um, you know, pretty close to uh, uh, to Haifa, and uh, uh, I've watched a, a documentary by uh, you know uh, uh, on the uh, on the uh, massacre that took place. The uh, of course, as I, as I said, not all of them were uh, killed; uh, some survived, and there was uh, one case of rape in the documentary. Uh, the uh, the uh, Zionist participants in the massacre, they said that they had some kind of a leader who prevented the rape from taking place. Uh, the a Palestinian, uh, a Palestinian who later on became a physician, and I think he went to uh, on to to Europe. Uh, he said that she, you know uh, one of those uh, Zionists took her uh, to uh, to uh, a building, and her uncle uh, objected. They killed him. Uh, so, but it's not the only case of of rape. Since we talk about rape uh, in Israeli newspapers over the years, uh, some people, some of those uh, uh, who committed uh, heinous acts uh, during 1948, uh, they wrote about somebody. It seems that one of them wanted to, uh, you know, take it off his chest before he dies, and he said that he was with a. Um, they had a, some kind of military uh, outpost in the uh, desert in the Negev. And they saw a Bedouin with a young uh, woman. They killed the man. They took the young woman. They raped her over a few days. They uh, forced her to wear a short so that she would not look like an Arab if anybody uh, passes by. After a few days, they deliberated like what to do with her. And ultimately, they took her out of the uh, the outpost. They dug uh, a grave. She realized that she, it was meant for her. She tried to run away, and they shot her. Uh, so, uh, so it's not the... Uh, I, you know, God knows how many things took place, uh, but this is on the outskirts of Jerusalem, West Jerusalem, Deir Yassin, really not very far. We have 
people who also survived their Yasin, but Jeff Halper, uh, he's a, an American Jew who uh, uh, who immigrated to uh, to Israel, but uh, he's on record saying that the uh, men and boys uh, were uh, paraded uh, before they were killed. That's Jeff Halper. Uh, but uh, as I said, uh, if you talk about the uh, the symmetry is still there of, of their Yasin, um, you know, uh, men, women, children uh, were, uh, were killed. And uh, uh, this is pretty close to, uh, uh, it's on top of the hill. Ain Karim is, uh, uh, is in the valley. Ain Karim had almost 5,000 Palestinian uh, villagers. Uh, Christians and uh, uh, and Muslims, only one family survived. You know, in 1948, uh, I don't know they did they stay at one of the uh, churches in the uh, in Ain Karim or not, but only one. It cannot be that they have stayed in their home. And they must have stayed somewhere where they had some kind of uh, of protection. But out of those 5,000 people in Ain Karim, none lives there. And today, it's they have a, a, a park for the righteous Gentile. Uh, so, uh, it's know. interesting in Europe, but we, we, uh, it, it's, there's a, a great deal of commemoration of the Holocaust. And indeed it seems to be accelerating, you know, memorials and Holocaust days and uh, every, everyone is supposed to, I'm not commenting on that. Mm. But the Yad Vashem, in fact, Yad Vashem, Yad Vashem is there on the, uh, really on the, uh, in that area between Der Yassin and Ein Karim, right there. Mm -hmm. uh, and definitely, it's uh, it's a very important uh, issue, I would say. I say if, I, if I could just finish a second, the, the Nakba of nineteen forty-eight, uh, and you can see the, the the your slide there is never mentioned in Europe, as far as I can see at all. It, it, every year it happens, it goes past. It's not in the media. No politicians mention the prime ministers doesn't mention it. No one mentions it, and and yet it, it was. Uh, a time where around a million people have explained from the, uh, expelled from their homes at gunpoint, civilians massacred, hundreds of villages uh, destroyed, um, and and it was ethnic cleansing, a catastrophe. Um, and and it's a shame that there there isn't given you know this is a mystery that this is not mentioned uh, in the Western media and the Western historical narrative and the retelling of the current situation never refers to this either in the contemporary political narrative. It's just disappeared, and not from your part of the world, but from the West. It's extraordinary. Uh, probably it's going to make a comeback one way or the other uh, but you have uh, uh, friends of israel in the labor party you have friends of israel in the uh, you know uh, in the conservative party uh, no friends of palestine in, in that well, sense there were, there were, under a certain former leader of the labor party uh, who, who was know, uh, uh, removed shall we say by the who uh, actually was very pro palestinian but he was exceptional but he was removed in a yes, in a Yes, uh, yeah. this was yeah, you know, um, but the cool. word Nakba itself officially they, they passed a law. Yeah, in the Israeli education system, you cannot use this word. You you talk really? about the Nakba in the Israeli education system. You talk about the Nakba as a teacher, for example, you you lose your job. It's illegal. Wow. It's it's prohibited to use the word Nakba in the uh, education system. And if if you receive uh, you know what kind whatever support from the uh, Ministry of Education or whatever. It's illegal to use the word uh, Nakba in education. And mm. uh, um, uh, just simply a couple of words about this particular uh, picture. Of course, you talk about 
I would like to mention that uh, Salman Abu Sitta uh, is an expert on the uh, on you know on the ethnic cleansing of Palestine, on the ethnic cleansing of these uh, villages, uh, both Christian and uh, um, these are Palestinian villages. Some of them, of course, had uh, um, uh, Christian uh, uh, majority, like Iqrith and Biram in the north of the country, close to the Lebanese border. And you have uh, an Israeli high court order that uh, stipulates the Christian, uh, you know, they are Christian Palestinian, but they have of today, of course, Israeli citizenship. Uh, they uh, they could go back to their uh, to their two villages. Um, they have not been allowed to go back and um, the way it used to be, but they allow them, I think, at least to uh, hold mass in the church or something like this or uh, something like that but they are not allowed to go and live uh, in these two uh, you know uh, villages uh, you can some some of the villages in West Jerusalem uh, like Umwas and Yalo today it is called uh, Canada Park so just in case if you see from the you say oh, they call it Canada Park I mean but it's if you just if you just walk around uh, the area you'll see the remains of the the ruins uh, of the uh, Palestinian uh, homes, the water well. You can you can detect uh, you can detect uh, these uh, these uh, um, old Palestinian villages. In fact, uh, I I have been to one of these ethnically cleansed villages in the north, and uh, it was surrounded by uh, barbed wire. And it says military zone, but there was it's a very, very tiny village, and it's not a military zone. It's simply a village uh, to which Palestinians were not allowed to uh, to go back. To be clear, that there's no right of return uh, then recognized uh, for the Palestinians to return to their homes, their homeland, their country. But there is a right of so-called right of return for anyone in the world who is born in America or, or yes. anywhere to. Yeah. Who, who self-identifies as Jewish, they can literally set up home on, say, the West Bank and live there. They have a right to return. Even they may never have been there, or their families may never have been there, they have that right. But the people who have come from that country are denied a right of return. Is that is that an accurate description, do you think? Uh, let's say, let's take, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ivanka Trump, uh, she married Jared Kushner, uh, she was, of course, uh, you know, Trump's family is Christian. Jared Kushner is uh, some kind of Orthodox uh, 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 Jew. She converted to Judaism. And now, Divanka Trump, you know, she can make Aliyah and she can come and have citizenship. And, uh, uh, you know, she can, uh, if she wants to, uh, you know, to live in the West Bank, uh, she, probably she could get a subsidy. Not that she needs that money. No. But those settlers have uh, subsidized homes and the uh, in the so there is an economic aspect to this uh, and of course you have plenty of room plenty of space um, you know and uh, you have access to water that the Palestinian does not have access to uh, I uh, you know uh, uh, they have they are, they are not now they could basically run the uh, the the show the the settlers they uh, you talk about some uh, almost a million between the West Bank and East Jerusalem, almost a million, uh, and that's in a, such a small, so small country. 
uh, that's a big uh, voting force and now they they many of them used to be a fringe group uh, you know in the old days uh, like after 97 very very uh, fringe groups and today uh, those fringe uh, elements uh, they uh, they are members of the Knesset they are members of the uh, uh, government they are you know they are everywhere and they uh, look at the whole ethnic takeover of uh, an entire place by people who not even have any connection with that country in terms of their own background it's very interesting as a settler today i mean it's in the news settler today simply uh, uh was in the we call it Yatta, just south of uh, the in the uh, southern uh, hebron hills and he literally shot a Palestinian in the uh, in the lake, and there was a soldier who did not take the settler's uh, gun or anything. Simply, the settler just told the settler, "Come back here." I mean, it's just like uh, uh, it was uh, a very in a very casual uh, in a very casual way. Uh, unfortunately, we would you know we have even the West Bank people might not realize it that we have already uh, lost some forty uh, people. Uh, some of them were killed by uh, settlers in Qusra uh, near Nablus. That's what the news uh, say. And uh, even if you try to, ca- you know, uh, to keep up with the uh, with the numbers of uh, uh, children uh, killed early in the day, it was f- some four thirty six. After the Friday prayer, four forty seven. That's already talk about almost like eleven children. By the end of the day, it was almost five hundred children. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Gaza uh, uh, Strip, who were uh, killed, and I, then, to tell you the truth, and uh, I did not cry uh, for all those who were killed until basically I saw, you know, a footage of uh, uh, one of the hospitals in Gaza. Uh, a boy comforting his father. Both of them were on just near each other and uh, uh, on stretches on beds in the in the hospital. And the boy was comforting his father, though the boy was wrapped. Uh, the father's hands and arms were wrapped in, in bandages, and the boy's face was, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of bent, and all his head was wrapped in band in bandages. And the boy was comforting his father, "Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid." Something like, and I, I just, you know, maybe it was like building up to that moment. There was nothing in particular, but it's just like I couldn't help it. My wife next to me, she was sobbing. I, you know, well, uh, so that was one of these moments uh, that uh, ultimately you just, uh, you cannot uh, help it anymore. Mm-hmm. About this particular picture, uh, look at the, uh, I could not detect men in this group of uh, Palestinian refugees in 1948. Mm-hmm. That's why it's, uh, they are barefooted, you know, uh, but I could not see men, and uh, it's very telling, uh, you know. Uh, I could not see men. I mean, you can see it uh, right in front of you, barefooted. That's how people. Uh, they they thought they thought they could go back to their homes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's basically one thing. In. Some of them attempted to go back. Some of them, they are, there are those who are internally displaced within Israel, like these Nakba Palestinians who suffered. They were forced out of their homes, but they cannot go back to their homes. So they, we call them internally displaced. So they ended up in, in other cities, like, like Nazareth, for example. 
okay uh, there are those who live in unrecognized villages so so if they are unrecognized it means uh, they don't get services though they are tax pay, you know paying citizens and what have you in a, a Bedouin village, I think its name is Al-Araqib, and I think it has been uh, demolished by the Israeli authorities a couple of hundred times, mm. and they keep building the village. You know, shacks, what, what do they have? Uh, so this is really part of the, uh, of, uh, like the heritage of the 1948 uh, area. Um, some of those from West Jerusalem, like who live in other parts in the West Bank and also in East Jerusalem. Uh, for example, uh, two of my uh, uh, two of my uh, classmates in high school were Yasini, from Der Yasin, where the massacre took place. And uh, practically, West Jerusalem was ethnically cleansed in uh, in 1948. Affluent Palestinians, I think, mostly. You know, I, I don't have numbers, but my impression is that. Mostly Christian affluent Palestinians, but affluent Palestinians in general, also Muslims, lived in West Jerusalem in certain neighborhoods. All these beautiful uh, villas. I mean, you have people who were born even in these uh, uh, homes, and people could go back and they know they have, so there are many homes in West Jerusalem that have Arabic, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, either a verse from the Quran or a prayer or. Uh, uh, but the uh, the uh, you would know it uh, if you know uh, the uh, the architecture of pre 1948. You'd know which house was uh, pretty much uh, Palestinian. So this is really uh, so. When they talk about uniting, unifying Jerusalem in 1967, uh, my position is that Jerusalem was united until 1948, not after, not mm -hmm. in between and not after the very last time Jerusalem was normal up to 1948 and in fact we are not back to uh, that sense of normality uh, where we belong to the same we don't we don't have the same we don't have the same uh, rights um, I, I can't speak about many things but let me just simply talk about taxes the first time I knew about this, it was Professor Peter Demand from uh, the Truman Institute at the uh, Hebrew uh, University. He uh, told me that Palestinians pay uh, the property tax called Arnona, and only 12% is returned to us as services in East Jerusalem. 10%, 12%. Later on, the, uh, these numbers were uh, became public. Israeli newspapers spoke about them. You know, it's just like... Uh, uh, and even at one point it became 10% rather than 12% in terms of services. He, uh, uh, Olmert, the, the former prime minister, but when he was a mayor of Jerusalem, he's on record saying that 96% of public parks uh, are in West Jerusalem. That's uh, It does tell you something about uh, maybe things improved later on, maybe the numbers improved a little bit, but that's what he said at the, uh, at the, uh, at the time. Mm -hmm. This is the famous uh, uh, Palestinian, uh, you know, uh, key of uh, of return. 
you will find massive uh, replicas uh, at the entrance of some refugee camps, uh, at the entrance to Jericho. What, what, what is the famous key? Sorry, for those who don't know, what is the famous key of return? It's, it's pe people locked their, uh, people literally, if you can see, the, I mean, people literally locked their homes. That would be a very simple lock. Mm. Uh, I mean, if you could push probably the uh, door of the uh, of these old houses with your uh, uh, you know, by kicking it, uh, so it was not a very sophisticated thing, but uh, people continue to hold it, people wear it, uh, I'm sure the old ladies, uh, and people, uh, it became a symbol uh, of uh, Palestinian sumud, if you will, perseverance, um, not giving up on uh, the right of return, but not, not giving up on the whole, you know, issue of uh, uh, of being Palestinian, refusing to dissolve, if you will. You know that colonialism succeeded with the uh, you know Aborigines in Australia, it succeeded with the Native Americans, it failed in South Africa, and here we are. We are still, uh, you know, um, you know, we are still here with uh, our rich culture, with our poetry. And I say sometimes that as long as we produce poetry and paintings and, you know, uh, all this uh, art, uh, we are you know, uh, live and kicking, you know, but, but this is a symbol now yeah. of the uh, catastrophe of the uh, of the Nakba. So whenever you see, a, in fact, people give each other a gift, uh, you know, such a, I have two of these uh, keys, not original. We don't, uh, we, did, we were not subjected to the uh, 1948 uh, catastrophe. The 1967, uh, uh, the war is called Naksa in uh, Arabic uh, literature. There's still uh, negative uh, connotations, uh, but uh, um, we we did experience being refugees as a family, but not the 1948. We are a 1967. Uh, we ended up outside the country for a very short period. Uh, it, it could be that we, 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 I mean, I don't know, but we could be going under a second Nakba at the moment, literally as we speak. I'm thinking of Gaza. If Gaza is forced out of there. That would be the third one. That would be the third. The second one took place. I can I can speak about the second one. I did not plan to, but uh, no, no, no. I, I don't want to interrupt your flow. No, no. I, uh, the, the I, I thought that simply that uh, uh, we did experience uh, uh, as a uh, as a family. Uh, we were um, the uh, we were literally in 1967 when the war broke. I was nine years old, approximately, mm -hmm. and I was with a group of my cousins. We were um, you know cleaning a cave. Uh, west of our uh, house, uh, on the slopes of Mount of Olives, halfway down the uh, the the mountain, and we were playing in the uh, in the cave, and out of a sudden we hear uh, you know uh, um, um, machine guns uh, on the rocks above the uh, entrance of the uh, uh, of the cave. Uh, maybe we should not have uh, run to our homes, like because we are exposed, but we did. And uh, of the families, my uncles really, uh, we were hiding in a uh, in a room, uh, like an inner room uh, that was not facing west because the shooting came from uh, top of Mount Sion, where uh, uh, the uh, the uh, the the grave of uh, uh, of Prophet uh, David, King David, Prophet David, uh, peace be upon him, uh, is there, and uh, so that area. Uh, 
and uh, I don't, you know, at one point, one of the uh, ladies in the family from another part of the neighborhood came and she said that there were massacres in uh, Abu Tur. Uh, not very far from we were, that was false uh, rumor. There were no massacres there, but it was enough uh, for um, you know many 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 families who were gathered there to uh, uh, to leave first to Jericho, and the next stage was uh, Amman, Jordan. And uh, Jordan, by the way, uh, they have been uh, hosting refugees uh, as if basically they were destined. Uh, to uh, uh, accommodate all those refugees first from uh, uh, the you know the Palestinians, the Iraqis, and you know uh, uh, Syrians. Uh, you know, we talk about in mass. Uh, sometimes I, uh, you know, uh, if you just think about how things unfold. Uh, most of my uncles, all of them except my father. He decided to go back to Jerusalem, so he smuggled us back across the Jordan River, just in time for the census that took place. So we do have uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the there are different different statuses for different areas. Uh, so within the Green Line, the 1948 area, um, the, you have Israeli citizenship. Uh, so th there is discrimination, but not. Like in East Jerusalem, we have more, so we uh, could lose our residency. We Israel passed a law considering all Palestinians from East Jerusalem as newcomers. So we are really like a green card, okay? And uh, Tushav in in Hebrew, the West Bank today they used also. To, I mean the uh, uh, they they used to uh, uh, revoke the residency of people from the West Bank, not after Oslo. Now they have what we call a uh, Palestinian uh, passport. Uh, so Palestinians in the 1940 area, they have Israeli passports. Palestinians in the West Bank today, they have Palestinian passports. Each user might, we have uh, Jordanian passports, but since 1988 approximately, uh, you know, it does facilitate our uh, movement around, but we are not literally citizens of, uh, uh, of uh, of Jordan, if you will. So practically, East Jerusalem we are the only ones who are uh, stateless, if you will. Uh, but we have that kind of legal uh, entity. You could lose in uh, in the year two thousand and eight, when Eli Ishai from uh, from Shas was uh, the minister of the interior. Uh, uh, Four thousand five hundred. Uh, uh, 77 Palestinians from East Jerusalem lost their uh, residency. Like literally, they would be kicked out from Jerusalem. And if they come back to the country, they come as tourists. That's in one year. When Cheransky was Minister of the Interior, only a handful, still bad, but only a handful uh, uh, of people lost their uh, residency, which tells me something about the mixture, the dangerous mixture of nationalism with, uh, with religion. So it's a religious nationalist, uh, you know, uh, and Zionist. So this is really the uh, uh, dangerous mixture, and it did reflect on us, and uh, you know, in bad in more than uh, one way. So this is really uh, uh, at least one aspect of uh, of uh, you know life in uh, in Jerusalem. As I said, uh, people are divided. In fact, in the uh, 
the, there are different plate numbers for the cars. There are uh, uh, before Oslo, uh, every uh, you know you would have in addition to the plate number, you would have a letter in Hebrew attached to your plate number, telling the it would tell basically the uh, Israeli uh, uh, soldiers at the checkpoint where you are coming from. So if uh, so, there is a certain uh, plate number for the West Bank with that letter. So if you're coming from Hebron, that will be uh, hate the H in, uh, uh, the, in, in Hebrew. Uh, from, from Jericho, it's going to be Yud because Jericho is Jericho. And, and from Nablus, it's uh, Sheen because it is Shechem. And uh, I remember something that is, uh, I smile. I know it's, it was bad, but I smile. After uh, 1967, the uh, the taxis, the cabs in in uh, in East Jerusalem, they gave them. Of course, there was uh, there were Jordanian plate numbers. Now they are Israeli plate numbers, and all of these taxis had the six 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 number. Really, gosh. Yes, and I think uh, probably you would like to explain what the six 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 number means. Well, it's allegedly the uh, number of the beast in the book of Revelation. Um, so it's, it's kind of, a, uh, yeah, it's a symbol of evil, the Antichrist, basically. Yeah. So, so I don't think that those who chose the, the these numbers, it was simply uh, uh, by chance, or I think it was by uh, by design. Mm. So this is really uh, part of... Uh, so let's uh, try to uh, move... In uh, there were, uh, of course, the 19... Over the years, many things happened. I mean, I, I cannot basically... 1936, we had the general strike in Palestine. It was still British mandate. Uh, 1956, the British and the French fought along the uh, Israelis against Egypt. Okay. Um, so... Uh, the uh, 1968, you know, uh, 1968 approximately, you have a major battle that took place in the uh, Jordan Valley on, uh, uh, in which the uh, Palestinian, uh, the PLO and maybe other Palestinian uh, organizations, uh, along with the Jordanian army, they uh, they fought bravely against the. Uh, Israeli uh, army, uh, it, it's well known. Uh, they won that battle. Uh, in uh, ultimately, in 1982, uh, there were things that uh, uh, 1973, of course, you have the uh, October, the Ramadan war, uh, in which the famous Barlev uh, line was uh, uh, knocked down by the Egyptian army. And the the I think it was simply water. They, they have used water to knock down the massive. Uh, it was like a heap of uh, of sand, of earth, of whatever, and it was like uh, the the uh, They thought the Israelis thought maybe others thought that this is undefeatable. Nobody could break through, and it was simply water uh, at high pressure, and it was knocked down and. Uh, uh, this Sadat went to war knowing his his end game, really uh, taking uh, Sinai uh, back, and this is why when you when you go to war, what's the end game? If the end game is really to uh, uh, to uh, that uh, you'd replace a regime, for example, look at the mess that was created in uh, um, you know in countries in the uh, in the region. 
uh, if you uh, but the end game should be basically uh, for us here uh, though it's uh, I don't think this is on the mind of uh, uh, of uh, of politicians at this uh, at this stage I'm afraid of course it's necessary I would support uh, secretary uh, you know uh, Blinken's first uh, uh, tweet about uh, calling for a ceasefire I would support that of course it was changed uh, uh, it was uh, deleted uh, we do need uh, ceasefire we need uh, it's very important to think beyond the uh, the idea of having simply uh, a lull um, that um, cessation of uh, um, of uh, of fire or uh, whatever uh, uh, the calm should not be the end game uh, because that would only mean uh, down the road just simply going through the same uh, uh, cycle uh, so we we should really uh, think about really the the uh, uh, having an independent Palestinian state again I would. Uh, uh, you know, uh, who am I uh, to uh, uh, to call for such a, a thing? But uh, think about it, and uh, it is much uh, needed. And it, uh, the end of the occupation would liberate both sides, not only one uh, one side. People are, are familiar with this kind of outlook because they say the Ukrainians must have uh, sovereignty and independence state they must be rid of the occupiers the russians i suppose um so this kind of attitude is there but it for some reason it doesn't seem to apply everywhere it applies in europe but not in the middle east which is a bit mysterious i haven't quite worked out how one can support it in ukraine but not for palestine but maybe there's um, a yeah there was a um, a western journalist who uh, who said uh, if you remember at the very beginning he said these are blonde people. These are white blonde people, and that makes a difference. So we are, you know, we are not blonde, uh, uh, you know. So uh, you know, we cannot do. Uh, what should we do? Uh, because of our color, we are going to suffer. Double standard, you know. Uh, it's a Eurocentric thing. Um, you think that uh, the old ways, old habits. Uh, they say old habits die hard, and it seems that this is really a case. But there was there was a journalist who spoke about they are blonde, they are blonde. They yeah, are. I saw the image. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So the Palestinians, uh, they, uh, they, uh, unfortunately, they, uh, you know, they did make a mistake, a big mistake. I'm not going to dwell much about this uh, in Jordan. Uh, but they did make a mistake, a big mistake, and uh, they ended up leaving uh, Jordan. And uh, the uh, the Palestinian, the PLO, uh, after that, uh, pretty much was in uh, the uh, in Lebanon, and uh, in 1982, uh, Israel invaded Lebanon, and the aim was driving the PLO out. Right. And uh, they resisted. Uh, they were very brave. They were. Uh, uh, they did, you know, uh, uh, fight, you know. But uh, ultimately, they uh, accepted the terms of uh, leaving uh, Beirut. Um, if you uh, have seen any this image right in front of us, that's the Palestinians leaving 
leaving Beirut. And the uh, I think Arafat, uh, yes, Arafat went to uh, Greece and then to Tunisia where his headquarters became. And uh, uh, the, uh, the next the next was a very sad uh, story because uh, uh, when the Palestinians were not around, uh, still the uh, Israeli army was in uh, Beirut and the Falange uh, militia, Al-Kitab, uh, they, uh, they killed uh, thousands of uh, Palestinian refugees uh, uh, in, in a couple of days uh, under the nose of the Israeli uh, army. I th you know, uh, this is, uh, talk about men, women, children, uh, that was a very uh, sad story. So they they were exposed. I was once in uh, in co in co uh, uh, you know in, in across the lake uh, you know um, uh, of Geneva. There is a high mountain, and that's a place where uh, people from different parts of the world meet. They call co. Uh, it is say C A U X co in Switzerland and across the lake from Geneva a place where people meet and uh, they, you know, whatever uh, is the case. But one of them was one of those leaders from the Falange. Uh, he uh, he admitted publicly his role. He cried, he wept, he uh, regretted. Uh, but I saw him in a, in a, in a, um, uh, a different uh, documentary later on after that uh, uh, meeting in uh, in Co. I saw him uh, still insisting on on his role, but he spoke about more about his role, and he said that they were they brought Palestinian men, the fighters uh, who who was uh, who were still uh, around, but the men in general, and uh, there was a, a water well, uh, and he will order the execution of one by one. He was the judge, if you will. He would say yes. And uh, out of all uh, those who were killed, he said that one Palestinian in particular uh, stared him in the eyes. Uh, it seems for whatever reason he could not forget that. Uh, so um, in this in in Co Switzerland, he was um, he was regretting what he did. In the documentary, he was defiant, you know. But I think he uh, he was uh, messed up. You could see that his body was shaking. Uh, probably psychological, and he said that he is on a bunch of uh, medications, probably he cannot really live with the memory of all those he ordered to uh, to be executed. And this is why something, so, this is something for people who are, who give orders to kill, okay? Uh, when it's really a clear case of war crimes, you know, uh, but again, uh, it seems that, in, you know, uh, we are the exception, we are still invisible, we are being dehumanized. I don't want this to be, uh, you know. I have a, I have very strong, uh, a very strong position against uh, nuclear pro proliferation. I think even uh, 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 my argument is that even uh, a rubber bullet is a weapon of mass destruction because if it really hits uh, a boy in the head and uh, he is damaged for life, you kill the potential for this boy to grow up to uh, to get married to procreate. So down the road. You can't calculate it. It is still mass uh, destruction, even in the, in the so-called rubber. And rubber bullets, by the way, they are not totally rubber. It's, they are. Uh, they have metal core. Uh, they accelerate and uh, uh, they they kill. This is uh, 
Uh, the commemoration of Sabra and Shetela, uh, September uh, 16th, 1982. And by the way, the Palestinians in, in Sabra and Shetela, in the Palestinian refugee, you know, the Palestinian refugee camps in Lebanon, at one point there were like 90 professions they cannot really work. So they have to find a job somewhere in the, mm. you know, I mean, there's 90 jobs they cannot work. And uh, in a documentary, I mean, I, 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 it's shocking that many there are, there are electric wires hanging in the camp that I saw, and uh, and in that documentary it showed that many of them get killed every year simply from being exposed, you know, just simply electrocuted by the hanging wires. And there's a state, there's a certain state, uh, whether it's the physical state of the camp, the 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 uh, psychological state, because. You know, I'm sure that you might think immediately, why don't they just put them in large pipes or just raise them? Or it could be a state of mind. It's just like mm -hmm. uh, these are um, Palestinian ladies who buried the, you know, uh, their loved ones in uh, in uh, 1982, and uh, this is an image that reminds us of the uh, first intifada. Uh, the intifada means simply an uprising and uh, uh, during the first intifada Rabin he, he ordered the uh, so was, sorry, I know this is very obvious to you but it may not be to many people who is Rabin? Rabin, Rabin was the prime minister at the time his oh, signatory right. I mean he was the same Okay. In, in uh, he or he was at the time he was not proud. Of, uh, he was at least he ordered the what we know as the uh, breaking the arms of the Palestinians policy. Whether he was the uh, military commander probably at the time, right. uh, the minister of defense or you know whatever he gave the orders to break uh, the uh, the arms of Palestinians uh, who throw stones. Uh, and uh, there, there is footage literally of soldiers holding the arm of Palestinian. One of them would bring a stone and literally break the arm at the elbow. Uh, it's uh, That was really part of the... And people could uh, get killed for raising the Palestinian flag just really a couple of days ago. Even Palestinians who uh, uh, shoot uh, fire uh, fireworks at the soldiers get killed. They did. And, and indeed, uh, it, it, less lethal, but in the West now, uh, it's now illegal in France and Germany uh, to protest in favour of the, the, the Palestinians. All pro-Palestinians have, have been banned. Uh, I mean, I'm not making this up. There's a BBC report of this last night. And in Britain, it's very difficult to do it. I've seen, I've seen scenes of uh, young people just with Palestinian flags being arrested by a lot of police as if some kind of the dangerous threat to the social order just protesting with a uh, palestinian flag so there's a big clampdown on uh pro-palestinian sentiment even in so-called free societies in the west uh in many i'm not saying it's the same in scandinavia i have no idea but certainly in france and germany and to some extent in britain that is the case and uh i remember one thing about edward said the famous palestinian uh, uh, intellectual uh, that when he visited South Lebanon, he took uh, um, you know a stone and he threw it in the direction of uh, the uh, uh, whatever defense, the wall, the uh, so in the direction of uh, of Palestine, and they made a big issue about Edward Said, you know the uh, uh, 
And Columbia University uh, came to his side and they said that, that that kind of stone throwing is really passive resistance. Uh, if you are really in your uh, you know armored military jeep, that uh, that kid cannot really ha harm you. And I remember in the uh, in the second intifada, uh, kids were killed in uh, in Gaza from soldiers in their towers, and Israeli media was you know blaming uh, blaming the mothers of the children. Why they just they why why their mothers basically don't really keep them at home. Uh, so you kill them because uh, they were th what the, you know. You look at the kid, look at the kid, and there mm. there were cases of children being arrested um, for you know five uh, six years old, and the attorney general uh, supported the action of the uh, military in in uh, uh, arresting such uh, uh, really babies. Uh, that's uh, part of the uh, uh, of the picture. It's uh, uh, can't they uh, when when Jews protest, they don't use uh, such force with them, okay? Uh, whatever they uh, do, and there are other countries where, uh, uh, obviously, uh, crowd uh, um, you know, crowd management, crowd dispersing, whatever you know, you don't use lethal force uh, in such a case, you know, uh, but. Uh, uh, now you you know uh, dehumanizing people uh, leads uh, definitely to uh, uh, to uh, uh, to killing uh, without any uh, no one will be held accountable ultimately even if nominally they they, they do uh, no one is seriously uh, uh, punished or but this is part of the uh, picture the result of the uh, intifada was really the uh, the Oslo Accords. I know that probably we took uh, too much time, uh, but uh, the Oslo Accords, as as the name, uh, there were meetings. There were, in fact, there were two groups of Palestinians. Uh, two groups of Palestinians uh, uh, negotiating with the uh, with Israelis. Uh, there was a group in uh, Madrid. Uh, Haider Abdel Shafi, Hanan Ashrawi. Uh, uh, so that was the uh, the group that was uh, taking place, that, that the negotiations that were taking place in front of everybody. But there was a uh, secret negotiations take place in in Oslo, mm -hmm. and uh, ultimately they came up with the uh, Oslo Accords. And you can see uh, this image at the White House. But what the Palestinians agreed to at the time. Um, by postponing the uh, uh, the final uh, you know uh, uh, you know the final the you know final resolution uh, issues like Jerusalem the refugees and uh, I think it was a mistake I think they should have uh, really dealt with everything uh, at once and uh, you know uh, there might be people who uh, do things in in goodwill but you don't count on goodwill in terms of uh, if you talk about the future of uh, uh, of uh, of the region, really. So you people should really deal with everything at uh, at once. Uh, the uh, later on, it should have been five years interim agreement. Okay, it began with Jericho and, and Gaza, dividing the uh, West Bank into areas A, B, and C, and ultimately sidelining the uh, the uh, Palestinian Authority. I mean. Uh, uh, 
uh, I don't know how this is good for uh, uh, for anyone. Mm. And uh, uh, there are many other details. Uh, unfortunately, they're, they're not really um, uh, good. Uh, they're not good for, uh, you know, for the uh, our future, really. Uh, the Israel did not speak to uh, President uh, Abu Mazen to the Palestinian Authority for about 14 years now. There might be certain things for practical things that the uh, junior officers talk to each other or something like that in terms of managing, uh, you know, practical things. But uh, political solution and zero nada. They uh, like as if Ramallah does not uh, really exist. And the very meeting today in uh, in Amman between Blinken and uh, uh, and Abu Mazen is is telling. It's not Ramallah. It's uh, uh, it's Amman, uh, you know. This is. Uh, I think that uh, part of the uh, the the ways, and not the way forward. Uh, it could be the you know, uh, we continue as as like like this forever. Okay, we could. I mean, it's just like uh, managing the occupation. Israel plus, rather than Israel and Palestine, it's Israel plus, and. Uh, or simply, he talk about uh, two-state solution, okay? Uh, two-state solution, but we talk about really on equal footing, uh, not subservient in any way, not to be, not to be trapped. Uh, I think the. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, although although many many people would share that view, of course, but uh, and this is a separate issue, and I know you're going through some a narrative here. I don't want to re-interrupt that, but. You know, there's no way on earth at the moment that Israel will ever recognize a, pa a, Palest a Palestinian state, it seems. They won't even recognize Palestinian existence. You know, uh, Netanyahu recently at the United Nations, you know, in his yes. map of Israel. So it, it, it's just a theoretical bit, of, I don't mean for you, but in the West, and Western politicians talk about a two-state solution. I wonder how much of that is merely a rhetorical statement, that there's actually no belief in it at all. It's just something they say, because the reality is it's, it's not going to happen, at least in the foreseeable future. Anyway, I'm not saying never, never, of course, because things do change. Unpredictable things happen. The world does change in ways we never expect. The Soviet Union collapsed. The Berlin Wall came down. You know, the British Empire ended, etc., etc. So big changes happen, and even in our lifetime. But at the at the moment, that it's 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 impossible to see how the Israeli regime will allow the Palestinians any political authority because they see them as an existential threat that needs to be exterminated basically i mean to put it dramatically i i don't you know yeah i don't think that the, really the uh do they see the Palestinians as an existential threat or simply they see the yeah the way they're talking about the, the yes, Gaza yes. situation is very uh, much that language probably without without a palestinian state they could still have free hand in grabbing whatever they grab okay but that should not be the uh, modus operandi. This is not really the. Uh, and uh, when we, uh, I mean, things could definitely change if we talk about, you know, not as an alternative, okay, but immediate equal rights, equal share of water. My position has been one person, one share of water, whether you are a Jew or a Christian or a Muslim, regardless of your passport, regardless of, you know, just to begin with, the moment you talk about sharing, Mm -hmm. in an equal uh, 
on equal footing. I know that this might, you know, even anger some people on, on my side when I speak like this, but, you know, I think it's simply, I think like it would have a domino effect. The moment you accept one share per person in terms of water, which is a big issue here. I mean, we have we have uh, a reduction in the uh, amount of water to the uh, city of Bethlehem. That's from my uh, what I have read. Uh, and the number of Palestinians is getting, uh, of course, uh, Dr. Bernard Sabella, Palestinian Catholic, you know, is a professor of uh, sociology. Uh, he was my professor even at one point in, uh, um, in like four, literally 40 years ago. Uh, but he's on record saying that the number of Palestinians uh, will double in 18 years. Okay, and I'm sure that there are people who keep who keep yeah. track of these things. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, the we have now uh, the uh, the number of people, the roads we have, uh, we have uh, uh, the traffic jams because the, the of course because of because of security as occupiers, they will not allow highways. Like, literally, we need a highway that zooms from Hebron, okay, passes by Bethlehem, passes by uh, Jerusalem, uh, which means, you know, no E1, it's like, oh, the, the, you know, there's plenty of things that one can speak about. Uh, there's like an arch of settlements surrounding Jerusalem to separate it from the uh, West Bank through these, uh, this arch of uh, uh, settlements. So this highway would zoom through the West Bank, as I said, Hebron, Bethlehem, East of Jerusalem, east of Ramallah, uh, you know, uh, all the way to uh, Nablus and uh, Anginin. One big highway, like let's say, six lanes, eight lanes, whatever is the uh, is the case. You need such a thing, but they will never allow it. But but the the number of people will put pressure ultimately, and uh, you know, I'm sure that they they uh, at at this stage probably we are almost you know equal between the river and the. Uh, mid the Jordan River, the Jordan River, and the Mediterranean uh, Sea. But uh, my my position is we should uh, push for that immediate, immediate. As I say, again, this is not an alternative to the political solution, but why not put in place uh, immediately equal rights plus working directly? Not you need you know uh, a ceasefire. But the uh, the end game should be a Palestinian state. We need to be separated from each other for a while, and then we'll think about you know uh, other things that could be done in the in the uh, in the future. But we need to be separated. And there's so much you know uh, uh, going on that uh, uh, a binational state will be. Uh, I mean, definitely, is if if it's not a two-state solution, it's going to be uh, full full pledged uh, apartheid. I mean, what, you know, uh, and it might work for 10, 20, I don't know, maybe seven years, maybe 50 years, uh, and down the road, what will be the uh, end result of this? The world will uh, will, uh, will wake, you know, to uh, uh, up to a different uh, reality, and they, uh, they will uh, ultimately say enough is enough. I mean... Uh, Okay, and the next stage is the second intifada, is it? The second intifada, uh, you know, the uh, it, the second intifada, uh, the uh, 
the, the first intifada, we might say that it was uh, a non-violent uh, intifada. In fact, uh, uh, Mubarak Awad, uh, just at the very beginning of the intifada, a Palestinian Christian uh, started a non-violent movement, literally uh, watching Gandhi movies and at the beginning speaking about non-violence uh, and even talking about uh, Islamic textual sources in support of non-violence. He's Christian. And uh, it began by boycotting the uh, uh, the dairy products that the time probably was only one uh, dairy uh, company called Nova. And uh, I remember that uh, Professor uh, Jadis Haq, uh, uh, professor of uh, chemistry, biology from Bethlehem University, he started selling, you know, literally um, plants, but, you know, vegetable plants, seedlings and uh, uh, and he was arrested for that, and Beit Sahur became uh, this is a Christian, uh, one of the three Christian towns, Bethlehem, Bejal, and Beit Sahur. You know, we talk about shepherds, uh, uh, the uh, the manger. You have the manger square, and then to the east you have the uh, shepherd's field or something in Beit Sahur. That town uh, was literally at the forefront of uh, non-violent resistance, burning the IDs and refusing to pay taxes. So pretty much, and of course, ultimately Israel deported Mubarak out of the United States and he said he will convert to Judaism and make Aliyah if, if necessary. He didn't, of course, convert. Uh, but that was the end of the uh, that non-violent movement. It's the context is that the things were not moving forward. Okay, and it seems that uh, the uh, the uh, the whole story about uh, 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 the blockade on the Muqata, the uh, the Yasser Arafat's uh, uh, headquarters in Ramallah, destroying the walls, surrounding it with the uh, with the tanks and what have you, uh, was based on Yasser Arafat's, uh, you know. Uh, giving up hope on the process, the Oslo process. And it seems that, uh, um, you know, it seems that this is why uh, Marwan Barghouti, the uh, Fatah leader, is in uh, in jail because uh, there was armed resistance at the uh, at the time. Uh, that instigated the, uh, that's, so that was a change. The Second Tifada included that part. And uh, it led, unfortunately, uh, down the road to, uh, uh, poisoning uh, uh, Yasser Arafat. Uh, this is really uh, what the uh, media says about the tests that took place in uh, in France. I uh, believe. Uh, so the second intifada, uh, practically, uh, 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 did not achieve much except that putting the. Uh, Palestinian issue back uh, um, and then you talk about a new phase where the uh, uh, the uh, Palestinian uh, leadership uh, practically renounced uh, uh, armed resistance and they put all their eggs in one basket just trusting the that the process will yield something and uh, uh, but not much I attended the meeting. Uh, I was simply uh, waiting for my turn to speak to a group of uh, Dutch, uh, you know, um, uh, it's Comenius, the name of the uh, group, 
Dutch uh, businessmen, uh, politicians, judges, uh, professors, what have you, they came to learn about the Palestinian issue. And uh, I arrived a bit early, or rather the speaker before me, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, took a little bit more time and he, uh, he was asked one question, which was, uh, the question was, uh, did the, uh, you know, what did the Palestinians achieve through negotiations um, thus far until that moment? And so if anything really big, uh, uh, so the, because the Palestinians do have uh, uh, a negotiation uh, team and was led by Dr. Saab Arikat, uh, uh, who wrote, he passed away, uh, and he wrote uh, a book about really life is about negotiation or something like that. But nothing big happened through negotiations. That's really the, the issue. And uh, as I said at one point, that uh, for 14 years, uh, Israel uh, did not really uh, engage the, uh, the Palestinian leadership in any serious talk about the, what I call the end game here in terms of uh, the Palestinian uh, state the, or any of these uh, uh, final uh, issues. And uh, in fact, Israel does not allow any activity in Jerusalem to take place if it is sponsored by the uh, by the PA or the PLO or nothing. Uh, in fact, things used to be uh, way better early on after Oslo. The Palestinians believed that Oslo brought an end to the occupation. Literally, the Palestinians uh, gave flowers to the Israeli soldiers. Literally, they gave flowers to the resource. So, but this is really where uh, this is where we are. I think, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, not uh, not a pretty picture, I say. No. Um, are there any more slides in your in your um, presentation? Or is it... uh, I think you know. I think it's enough. Uh, yeah. It's been two hours. Okay. And uh, I think it's it's this this picture probably reminds us that uh, you know that uh, sometimes uh, you need to uh, simply uh, hammer down all the issues at once uh, so that there'll be uh, that the death of one leader or the other uh, will not really uh, uh, lead to uh, the uh, uh, failure of the whole uh, process, but there has to be genuine. I would say that uh, I would advise anyone, anyone really, any side, any party that is going to sign uh, a treaty with uh, with Israelis to uh, use the services of professors of law, uh, people who really know uh, the uh, the language, um, so that there will be no. Uh, um, nothing that will uh, impair or uh, no buts in the uh, um, from that perspective. Uh, we need to. Uh, yeah. I, I know you're right, but it's just I get the sense that uh, I, I, I saw um, we, we also on the uh, last year the the president of the uh, European Union uh, speaking very. Uh, she's a German doctor by profession, uh, Ursula von der Leyen um last year uh condemning russia's attacks against civilian infrastructure especially electricity um 
cutting off men, women, and children from water, uh, and so on, and the condemning these as war crimes, uh, and how and how these are pure acts of terror. Just to that's her expression, and how we have to call it as such. She said. So there's a very clear. Uh, this is a, in her address to the European, Par European Parliament. It's on YouTube, actually. I, I retweeted it myself. She's very clear that kind of behaviour, these actions against civilians, are um, terrorism and are condemned. And and yet these are precisely in those very terms what the Israelis are doing now, the promise they'll do, are doing now to the Palestinians in Gaza. Um, the point of me saying this is not to point out the double standards hypocrisy of certain people in the West, which is obvious, but that the law, international law, is already very clear anyway that you know attacking civilian infrastructure electricity depriving people of water heating etc is a is a war crime and that hasn't stopped them doing it and 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 they've got complete cover uh, um you know the american secretary of state has just said uh i saw it on sky news that israel is a democracy like all democracies upholds the law international law and and, and defends international law it's very clear that this is an honorable country that defends international law I mean, i'm not making this up i saw it on sky sky news just earlier um i saw it myself i, yeah. I, I, I find it hard to think that this is i i just think am i living in some kind of crazy uh, alternative universe at the moment where, where nothing makes sense anymore but if serious politicians like the Secretary of State of the United States can say that, seriously believes that Israel, as calling it a democracy like all democracies, we uphold the rule of law. If you can actually say that um, at this moment in history, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost lost for words uh, in terms of taking anything seriously anymore. Because it doesn't... Um, the, the rule of law is, is clearly passionately believed in when it comes to Russia and occupying... Ukraine yeah. very seriously and we go to war over it um, but when it comes to the same set of actions in another part of the world it is completely ignored and indeed defended and these people are praised for upholding the law internationally I mean you couldn't make it up if you try no one will believe you if you wrote a novel like this this is a, no one's going to believe this is happening but it is well, I mean, uh, probably you know about uh, uh, what's uh, what's her name, uh, Ursula von der uh, Ursula von der Leyen. She's actually she's the president of the European Union and yes. a German doctor by profession. She uh, she uh, when it when it was Russia and Ukraine, and they talk about the lack, you know, uh, um, no no electricity, no water, no food, no. She said this is terrorism. This is twelve months ago, by the way. It's not ancient history. Twelve months ago, last no. year in uh, October last year exactly yeah. 12 months ago she said this yeah yeah so this is it's it's quite unfortunate and uh, yes I, I don't think that uh, uh, the 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 word democratic by definition would really translate exactly. into uh, into virtue I never quite understood the democratic system doesn't automatically mean you're virtuous does it I never yes. quite understood why it meant that because apparently it does if simply most people voting for something means they're automatically virtuous by virtue of being a majority, I mean, I, I don't see that as a serious ethical theory. I've never heard of an ethicist or a moral theologian or a moral philosopher ever arguing that simply by having a group of people agree on something, ergo, it's a good thing. <laughs> I just don't get it. No, no. no.
No, I, I agree 100%. I mean, the, we, we have clear cases where um, democracies talk about, uh, uh, you know, the uh, upholding the law or international law. We know from uh, President Bush and Prime Minister Tony Blair, they, uh, they broke uh, the law they, uh, and caused a disaster uh, through their decision. And there were plenty of fake news to uh, cover up their, uh, you Back know. Uh, mass destruction and Saddam Hussein yeah. being a threat to America, ho-ho, you know, as if he could possibly have been. And, uh, and, and uh, I'm also note that whenever we talk about Hitler, uh, becoming Chancellor of Germany in 1933 or 1932 is always when he seized power, when he took control. Actually, he was elected democratically by the yes. German people in a, a, a fair election. So he was actually legitimate uh, democratically, but no one ever says that. It's always when he seized power, you know. No, he didn't seize power. He was elected by the people in due process. No, I'm, I'm definitely, I, in fact, I did, uh, you know, it did cross my mind, but I thought that I should not really, uh, probably it was more of a, I thought that was probably a sense, you know, but if, you know, talking about, uh, um, you know, Hitler and democracy, uh, people might not realize that this is really what brought him to uh, uh, to power. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, what's, what's going to the shape to the, uh, you know, how to run a state. It's still people, do they talk about this? What kind of state? Even for us as uh, uh, as Palestinians, uh, of course, we don't have right now. In fact, it's one of the issues that I, uh, uh, I think about in terms of uh, end game. We should have elections in Palestine and the international community should respect this. We should have our own parliament. We should have, you know, uh, a functioning, you know, but not, you know, uh, as long as we are under occupation, we are going to have really, uh, you know, it, it cannot. I, I, I agree with you. But my view now is I'm being cynical at the moment, and I think justifiably cynical is that what you're saying is perfectly reasonable, and but you could go ahead and do that. But the West, although it may say that it supports democracy and the rule of law and human rights. We know in reality it only supports these things when it agrees with the particular cause or geopolitical interest that underpin it. So, you know, it's, a, it's against terrorism when it comes to Russia, but it's not against terrorism when another state does it. It's for human rights, except when it comes to, you know, invading countries in Guantanamo Bay or Abu Ghraib or, you know, black sites like Europe. And so, it, just just a just a belief that having a having a, a functioning parliament it, it will therefore will get the west's approval doesn't follow because if it doesn't meet their interests as they perceive them they will simply dismiss it it's not automatic so the rhetoric of believing in democracy is it, you could argue is largely a mirage it's a mechanism it's not it's not consistently applied it's selective it's not real except in particular cases. In other cases, it, it, it's not real. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% aware of the fact that Western democracies are not, democracies are not bringing a new leadership that will change the situation here. They asked, you know, this, uh, as you can see uh, for yourself, what what's going to change, you know, if we have, uh, there might be something there, uh, but, in, in general, the position vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinian issue still, it's not, uh, you know, we are not on equal, we are not on equal footing in terms of being human beings. We have been dehumanized. 
our our issue with we have been dehumanized we became as i said from the from day one from the Balfour declaration saying that you know that we are non-jews we were the majority mm -hmm. and it's not about being a majority it does not really but the, the issues as i said you know here they have distinguished uh, it's and and let's put it this way there was no holocaust yet people don't people miss the point because the uh, israeli narrative uh, you know it begins with the holocaust really the uh, the uh, we talk about uh, 1897 and you know so you talk about really uh, uh, many decades before the uh, holocaust the decision to establish uh, a national home for the jews really a jewish state uh, in palestine they knew uh, the, in fact people people like had haam one of the uh, you know uh, jewish uh, uh, intellectuals they interpret him uh, differently but uh, you know one interpretation is that he realized that there are people here and the issue should be um, you know cultural judaism a revival of the hebrew language but of course he was interpreted you know in a different uh, in a different way at the turn of the uh, of the century the uh, you know what does it mean to have uh, uh, because Jews I'm not saying I'm not going to say that the Jews were uh, uh, without any blemishes you know uh, and and but again the Holocaust was European the pogroms in fact the uh, protocols of the elders of Sion they are very Judeophobic and they are the product of uh, of Russia and I, I would say that you know people Muslims Palestinians, Arabs, they should never subscribe to such a, uh, a narrative. Uh, maybe because of the pain they go through, maybe because of the anger, but they should never subscribe to such a narrative. Uh, this is very, very important to uh, to uh, uh, to realize that uh, you know their problem was European or you know uh, yeah. really. Um, the and again, it it was not only Germany. No, indeed. Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Professor Dr. Mustafa Abu Sway, uh, from you're actually in Jerusalem at the moment, obviously, and I do wish you and your family and your loved ones and your friends and everyone you know safety and good health and, and all your all the people of Palestine in these uh, indescribably difficult times and the situation is still changing minute by minute. Um, it's quite extraordinary. Uh, on Telegram, um, you know that there's uh, this is almost at random you know there's a thing called war monitor on telegram you know, it gives you photographs of minute by minute events as are happening in lebanon the occupied territories in gaza and so on F actually photographed it, it, because of telecommunications the internet now um you know you can sit anywhere in the world in your living room and watch what's happening you know it, well, at least selected bits of it anyway that they show you um and so there's a sense of being involved that we've never had before in history, even though we're physically very remote from um, things, you know. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, let's talk about almost like uh, the Nakba is an ongoing thing. So we, we, when we spoke about the Nakba of 1948, it's not that yeah. it is done. The Holocaust is done. Mm -hmm. Okay, the Nakba is not done. It's ongoing. It yeah. still has that ING to it. It's... Uh, and this is why it's very important to uh, uh, to address it. It's uh, and the you know the uh, uh, the outcome. In fact, in fact, uh, it's it's quite it's quite unfair. It's quite you know uh, 
the uh, as I said, the uh, in, in terms of life under occupation, people don't realize the uh, how subtle things could you know be, uh, how camouflage things could be, how covered things be. Could, the um, the wall the wall the separation wall uh, is built on the land of the West Bank, mm. like it carved more land west of the of the wall near the city of Qalqilia. Uh, uh, you know they have it's a flat really uh, land, but they have next to the wall they created artificial hills and you know trees on, so that you would when you drive on Route Six. Uh, towards the north, you don't see that uh, mm. wall. So uh, out of, you know, you, you know, you don't exist. Once I picked up a copy of the uh, uh, of the Yudiyata Harunot, it's a Hebrew uh, newspaper, and I said to myself, I'd like simply to to see what they write about us. At the time, the Yudiyata Harunot was the most circulated uh, newspaper. Probably, it's not uh, most probably it's not the most circulated today. But at the time, I just picked up to see what do they write about us. For us, our local newspaper will have people being arrested, people being shot, land confiscation, you know, uh, all these things. Nothing, nada, niente, you know, that's nothing, nothing about us. And in that particular, for whatever reason, I did not really study for like, let's say, a month of uh, worth of uh, but I picked up, you know, uh, one copy and I said, what do they write about us? Nothing. Nothing. So you could live in Tel Aviv, go to the beach in the normal, and just simply as if we do not exist, as if the Palestinian issue does not exist. And as I said, this is this should not be the case. No, calm, calm should not be the, uh, the you know, the... Uh, uh, the normative uh, the mode of existence you know. at the moment we can't in the west uh, in many countries anyway uh france germany and britain we can't actually protest about this because it's becoming illegal um in a de democratic society uh in these societies that are praised for being you know superior um well, we can't even talk about we can't protest about it uh because you could be arrested and people have been arrested um so it's a very ugly ugly phase we're going through at the moment um and I pray that we will have patience and wisdom to endure it. Uh, exactly. but thank you, thank you again, Professor Dr. Mr. Abusway, for your time uh, you. in Al Quds, and I really appreciate it. Inshallah, and uh, see you again. Take care. See you. Assalamualaikum.